You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode here at the Locked On Rams pod. This is your first of the week and, of course, a post-game victory edition of this podcast. We're back in the good graces. Another win after that Thursday night game. It was a bit of an extended week off, I guess you could call it, a mini bye week, 10 days off for the Rams, and they bounced back in a big way. Of course, they played the New York Giants, and they beat them 38-11, to improving their record to 5-1 and on the season. We're going to dive into everything about this game, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of the in-depth stuff here from this performance in case you guys watched it, or if you didn't watch it and you just have no idea what happened in this game, the Rams really dominated this game. I mean, it still kind of felt like they weren't really at their best, and they still haven't really reached that peak that I think we all sort of expect them to, but at the same time, they won this game 38-11. to 11. The last seven or eight minutes of the fourth quarter was John Wolford out there at the quarterback spot. And backups pretty much everywhere. Jacob Harris was out there, 2-2 Atwell. The entire defense basically outside of a handful of guys, maybe like Jordan Fuller. So anytime you're getting seven, eight, nine minutes worth of playing time with backups, you're probably doing something right. And not only that, but the Rams nearly put up a 40-burger. They probably could have had they had kept their starters out there the entire game. And the Giants scored seven of their points. The only touchdown that they scored, actually eight of their points, in garbage time. So really the score should have been 38-3. to That's kind of the way I look at it. So really just a dominating performance. Obviously what started at the good portion of this episode here in this game, Matthew Stafford. I mean, you're talking about a guy with four passing touchdowns on the day. He had an interception, which was entirely Cooper Cup's fault. It was right before halftime. Cooper Cup was actually open. And Stafford would have hit him for like a 25 to 30 yard gain. And somehow it just bounced off both his hands, got picked off by Xavier McKinney of the Giants. So yeah, that's going to go down as an interception for Stafford, which is unfortunate. But I mean, the guy went 22 of 28, only six incompletions on the day, 251 yards. Not that much was asked of him. And of course, we talked about the four touchdowns, crazy performance from him. He had a lot of nice passes. There was the one earlier in the contest. I want to say it was in the second quarter to Cooper Cup down the right sideline. It was like a corner route or something like that. In between two or three defenders, just a dime. You'd look at the other one, the touchdown to Daryl Henderson up the left sideline where Daryl Henderson runs a sluggo route. And I mean, he couldn't put it on him any better. And it was a long touchdown. So a very good performance by Stafford. Still felt a little bit shaky at the beginning. Probably should have thrown maybe one or two actual interceptions early in the contest. But, you know, you got some good luck. He got bailed out there. So all in all, a good performance, and I think it's another good step for him to try and get to some of those individual awards this season, maybe like the MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, something like that. I'm not sure that he really cares about that stuff. Probably not. Most players say they don't, but at the end of the day, it's always cool to get recognized for that kind of stuff. Now, some of the other good stuff you look at, of course, Daryl Henderson, I talked about it, 21 carries in this game, 78 rushing yards and a touchdown, a great performance from him. Sony Michelle, nine carries of his own, 42 yards. He averaged 4.7 yards a pop. He was very productive as well. Cooper Cup, I mean, this guy continues to dominate every single game. It feels like 12 targets, of course, that led the team. Nobody else had more than five. Nine receptions on the day, 130 yards receiving, two receiving touchdowns. I don't even know what else to say about this guy. If you've got him on fantasy football, 
you know exactly how productive he is. If you are playing against him, you know how much you hate playing against him. And if you're a Rams fan, you're watching this. I mean, the guy's open all the time. And there's still plays out there to be had. Like we said, the one before halftime where Cooper Cup should have had it. He easily catches that ball 99 out of 100 times. And that's another 25 or so yards to add to that yardage total. So, you know, it could have been an even better day for him. But of course, like we mentioned, just a great performance anyways. I mean, this guy is lining up everywhere across the field. He's getting open on all three areas or all three levels of the field, whether it's short, intermediate, or deep. The second touchdown, I mean, he's catching a ball in the flat, then running up the sidelines and going 10 yards right down the sidelines, avoiding defenders. It's impressive. This guy is just a great football player. I mean, he just makes plays all the time, and he wasn't the only guy. I mean, Daryl Henderson, like I mentioned, not only did he do well as a rusher, he had another 29 yards receiving and the one touchdown in the air as well. He looks very good as a receiver, very natural. I think that's something that the Rams could maybe look to utilize a little bit more moving forward here. Either way, we'll see if they do or not, but it was a good performance by him. Nobody else really amongst the receivers did all that much. Robert Woods, only two receptions for 31 yards. He's the one who scored the first touchdown for the Rams. He was basically left wide open in the red zone, caught the ball, turned around, nobody near him, just kind of jets upfield, scores a quick touchdown. But outside of that, it was pretty quiet you know, across the board from the receivers outside of Cooper Cup, which kind of feels like it's been the case for most of this season, right? It's been a lot of Cooper Cup and then maybe someone else having a play here or there. Uh, But for the most part, it's really been that. Outside of one game where Robert Woods kind of blew up on Thursday Night Football, it's been the Cooper Cup show, and it's really went back to that in this contest. And, you know, I'm not going to knock the Rams for this. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what worked for them in this game. That's what they did. And ultimately, you know, they came out of it with nearly 40 points on the board. So clearly a good performance. Now, the last part of that offense that we have to look at, always the offensive line. Stafford only sacked twice in this game. And I want to say that it wasn't necessarily even the offensive line's fault because from what I remember on those plays, he had to get the ball out quick. I mean, he had a lot of time in the pocket, at least on one sack, I want to say. Maybe not both, but on one. And of course, I'm going to have to dive into the tape to see if that's going to be confirmed or not. But It felt like he had a good day back there. I mean, he wasn't really getting rushed. It wasn't like there was consistent pressure. There was some times here or there where maybe a little bit of pressure came through. But for the most part, you're looking at two running backs that averaged 4.7 and 3.7 yards per carry. You had over 100 yards rushing on the ground. Matthew Stafford, pretty comfortable all day. Only six incompletions on the day, four passing touchdowns. I would say the offensive line did pretty well as they typically always have this season. They did a lot in the running game. There was a lot of holes opened up especially in that latter part of the game where the Rams were already up by 20, 25 points. And, you know, they were going to try to run the football a little bit more, start to kill some of that clock and just keep the ball and whatnot. And it felt like everyone knew what was coming in that stadium. It was going to be a run, another run, another run. And they did that like three or four drives in a row. And the Giants still couldn't stop them. It was consistently three, four, five, six yard gains. And ultimately the Rams did a good job at just keeping the ball killing the clock, and sort of getting out of this one as healthy as possible. So in just a second here, we're going to dive into how the defense looked in this contest. And of course, they had a great game. So we'll dive into who stood out on that side of the ball. As always, you guys can always follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP, at Lockdown Rams, and on YouTube at Lockdown Rams. And if you guys missed this game for whatever reason, you don't have to miss it anymore. Just go check out DirecTV Stream, one of our sponsors for this episode. They're going to make it entirely easy for you to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle 
and it just gets your entire TV together so you don't have to go juggle a bunch of different remotes, buy a bunch of different devices. There's not even an annual contract, so you can basically cancel whenever you want. It's called Direct TV Stream, like I said. Brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So get rid of the clutter and tidy up your room and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Now we can dive into how this defense performed in this contest. And as I mentioned, they did pretty damn good. I mean, anytime you can get out of this game and basically only allow three points, that's the way I'm going to look at this. I'm not going to even care about the scoreline where it says 11. Garbage time points, they don't mean anything to anybody. They had a great game. I mean, Daniel Jones only had 242 yards passing and probably 150 of those came in garbage time. Average 4.7 yards per attempt. That is just horrendous. Zero touchdowns on the day, three interceptions. He was sacked four times. I mean, the guy was absolutely abused the entire game. He never looked comfortable. He obviously had the concussion that he suffered last week, which I'm sure did not help. But at the end of the day, he obviously passed the concussion protocol, which meant he was good to play. And the Rams defense were not going to hold back. I mean, it always begins with Aaron Donald, defensive tackle number 99. He was the best player on the field in this game. And I think he was sort of, you know, trying to pick up some of that steam, just knowing that maybe there's some injuries on this defensive line. There's this quarterback that's a little bit banged up right now. This is a good spot for me to really insert my dominance. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, the guy was eviscerating run play after run play. He was literally in the backfield all the time. Of course, he was applying pressure like always. Registered half a sack in this contest. I want to say he and Leonard Floyd split that one. They both got there at the same time simultaneously. So that's kind of why they split that sack. But Aaron Donald was unreal. He had a stretch of plays. I want to say three plays in a row where first play, he bounces a run because he gets so much penetration in the backfield and it's like a three or four yard loss. Next play, he gets like a tackle for loss. And then the next play was a pass deflection. I mean, the guy's insane. He's so good. And really, he wasn't the only defensive lineman who stepped up in this game because Leonard Floyd had one of the better games that he's had all season. Maybe the second best game after only that Seattle performance because in this one, he comes away with one and a half sacks in the game, a forced fumble. He literally forced a strip sack on the very first snap of the game. Daniel Jones drops back to try and throw the football and Leonard Floyd came screaming off the edge. These guys were so good. I mean, all of the pass rushers, really everybody had at least one or two snaps where they looked really dangerous. I mean, Terrell Lewis, I thought he got a sack, but for whatever reason, he wasn't credited with one. So that's a little bit weird. I have to dive into if there's any sort of correction there. And my guy, Obo Okoronko, got himself a strip sack as well that the Rams recovered. And I want to say it was right around the 20-yard line. So when they recovered that strip sack, they were already in the red zone, the offense. So just goes to show you how much of an impact these guys can have when they're really on their game. And it's always good to see these guys stepping up, especially when you talk about this position that lost an important player in someone like Justin Hollins, who's now not going to play for a few weeks. It's good to see somebody else step up at that position. So the Rams have had a lot of guys step up at that spot. You look at the next level, the linebackers, they really didn't do that much. They weren't asked to do that much. Kenny Young had a very impressive run stop. But outside of that, I mean, these guys really did not have to do much at all. Moving into the secondary, though, this was where a lot of that action happened. I mean, there's a lot of tidbits here to note. Of course, the Rams went into this game without Darius Williams. He's on the IR list. He's not going to play for the next two games after this one. And something to note is the Rams brought up Dante Dion from their practice squad, and he started in this game. They did not start David Long, which just kind of goes to show us maybe this 
David Long experience might be done. I mean, it just doesn't look like they trust him whatsoever. I don't know if there's something going on behind the closed doors or whatever, uh, but they literally brought Dion up from the practice squad and he started a day later. And he's a good player too, so don't even get that twisted. You know, let's not knock this guy. He's a good player, but it's crazy because he wasn't even on the roster. Why is David Long on the roster then, right? So a lot of question marks there. The Rams ultimately did start Jalen Ramsey back there, Dante Dion and Robert Rochelle. So two out of the three we expected at that cornerback spot, but Dion was the question mark. But in this game, he played great. I mean, he might've been the best secondary player for the Rams in this game. He was targeted a lot of times in this game. We'll have the in-depth numbers tomorrow. Might've only given up two catches for 25, 30 yards. And I want to say he was targeted maybe eight, nine, maybe even 10 times. He was good in this game. The guy's good in coverage. He can stay in the hip pocket of receivers. And I think at this point now, we might have a question mark in terms of when Darius Williams is ready to come back in two weeks. Is Dante Dion the best corner to play alongside Williams and Ramsey? Or is that Rochelle? Because in this game, I didn't think Rochelle played that great. He did get his first career interception, which was great. But it really just happened because the Giants receiver, I think it was Sterling Shepard, slipped on the field and fell down. And Rochelle literally just had the ball fall right into his lap. So, you know, not the best performance. Again, I don't want to knock the guy too much. He's still a rookie. Still only his second start in his career. He's getting better, it looks like, at least, right? He didn't have that kind of performance that he had against Seattle uh, on Thursday Night Football, where he clearly was one of the weak points of the defense. It wasn't like that, but he still looks like he's trying to kind of get his footing underneath him, and uh, it kind of seems like he loses a lot of that technique as soon as the ball is in the air, and he has to go play that ball, which is weird because this is a guy who used to play receiver in college, at least at the early point in his career, and was noted, especially for myself too, coming out of college as a guy who was great at playing the football and attacking the football when in the air. So kind of hasn't translated just yet. We'll see if it does at some point. But I think he's just kind of got to trust that technique a little bit and settle down when the ball is in the air. Don't really panic. But of course, it's easier for me to say than it is for him to do out there on the field against professional athletes. So not the best game, but not the worst game either. Dion, though, I thought he was great. Jalen Ramsey played a solid game, wasn't really targeted much. Gave up maybe one or two third down conversions. But outside of that, I mean, this guy's the best of the best. He's not going to get targeted much. And then the safety rotation. I want to look at the snap counts because I don't have them on hand. I'll have them for tomorrow's episode. But Terrell Burgess finally found his way onto the field. And it wasn't a hugely extensive stint out there. I want to say maybe five to ten snaps, something like that. But it was good to just finally see him out there. Obviously, he didn't get much action. So it wasn't like he was going to have a huge impact on this contest, but it was just great to finally see him out there. Maybe this can, you know, symbolize something moving forward. But the one guy that a lot of us wanted the Rams to replace and put Terrell Burgess out there for was Taylor Rapp. And after this game, I don't think Taylor Rapp's going anywhere because this guy was the best player on the defense this game. He had two interceptions, one of which, again, put the Rams in the red zone right away on the offensive side of the ball. He had three pass deflections. I want to say, that last pass deflection probably should have been an interception itself. The dude was great. I mean, he was so active in zone coverage. He knew exactly where to go in terms of spot dropping in his zones. And he was reading Daniel Jones's eyes like it was absolutely nothing. I mean, it was a piece of cake to this guy. That's why he came away with two interceptions in this contest. I mean, it was just a great performance by him. And he didn't just catch those balls and, you know, get tackled right away. He had 31 interception yards, which, you know, is not the biggest deal at the end of the day, but when you think about it, an interception, a turnover, 
that's great. But then getting a turnover and also getting your offense 31 yards worth of field positioning, that's important. And that's exactly why the Rams got the ball twice from their defense right in the red zone area. I mean, it made it a lot simpler, which is why, you know, when you look at the yardage statistics, you might be thinking the Rams didn't have that many yards. How the heck did they put up nearly 40 points? Well, it's because the defense gave them two opportunities where they only had to get a total of 40 yards to score two total touchdowns. And they took great advantage of that. So you can't really knock it. I think they played really complete football in this game. Of course, there's still areas to improve and we'll dive into maybe where some of that can happen in tomorrow's episode. So make sure to tune back into that. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys, as always, you can dive into the betting game. Join me, join Brad, join everyone else who's making a little bit of money, making these games a little bit more exciting on betonline.ag. They're your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. You can get all your latest updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar mega contest and the $200,000 survivor contest, which are both open now. All you have to do is just head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to basketball to boxing all the way to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage right now while all the great offers are still available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And you guys have heard me talk about the Built Bar here many, many times. And I'm going to continue to do so because they're one of our sponsors for today's episode. They are the best protein bar on the market. I've tried every other protein bar like I've told you guys many times. Some are chalky. Some are expensive. Some don't even have barely any protein in them. And some just don't taste good. And the Built Bar has absolutely none of these issues. I mean, they're low in calories. They're low in sugar. They're high in fiber. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They have a bunch of different flavors, so you can pick whatever you like and mix and match. Not only that, you can even use these if you are on the keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do, just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And as always, thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at the Locked on Rams podcast. For your second daily listen, go check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast. These guys are going to break down every major NFL news story every single day in under 30 minutes entirely free wherever you get your podcasts. And now we can dive into the final segment here, the uh, what's left over from this contest. I mean, the special teams was not that big of a factor for the Rams here. You look at some of the punt returns, it was good to see Tutu Atwell get going a little bit. He had two returns, 28 yards, a long of 17, so not that much action. The kick return game, basically nothing to note there. The punting was a little bit better. I felt like Johnny Hecker really started to feel like his regular self here, and I think he might be from that New Jersey-ish area, somewhere around there. So if that's the case, then you know he probably feels a little bit at home, which is maybe why he performed better. Uh, but four punts, 160 yards, an average of 40 yards per punt four of which landed inside the 20 and a long of 52. So, of course, not the worst day for him. Kicking, Matt Gay, 100% across the board, one of one on his field goal attempts, five of five on his extra point attempts. And that does it for these special teams, really. They didn't give up any huge returns other than one, I want to say, towards the end of the game, which, again, garbage time. We're not too concerned about that. And outside of that, the Rams really got out of this game in pretty decent shape. They sound like... They may lose backup tight end or second string tight end Johnny Munt to something potentially serious. Sean McVay said that he suffered a knee injury and that it doesn't look good, which is never good news. It might mean that he's out for the rest of the year. And if that's the case, of course, that's something that's going to hurt the Rams because this guy 
brings a different skill set from that tight end position that they don't really have in anybody else, right? We talk about Jacob Harris and Bryson Hopkins, the other two on the roster, both good players, both very intriguing young players, but they're not blockers. And Munt is the best blocker on the roster. So now the Rams, when they want to get into some of these 12 personnel packages, which means one running back, two tight ends, it's going to be harder for them to really find these packages and how they can feel comfortable with it because Harris and Hopkins are not the best blockers. So maybe you don't want to trot those guys out as blockers. And so we'll see how this kind of affects their personnel packages moving forward. And ultimately if Munt can come back this season or not, but as of right now, it doesn't sound good. So we're going to kind of expect the worst there. Not so great news. You look at running back Jake Funky also suffered. I want to say a hamstring injury, maybe not the worst news, but he might be sidelined for a few weeks as well. We'll see what that comes to. But other than that, it sounds like they got out of this game pretty clean, which is good. No crazy injuries. And of course, we had another tick to the box. Sean McVay is now 41-0 and consecutively when leading at halftime. And that sounds like it's just another win, and it sort of is. But the reason it's kind of significant now is because he is only one win away from Bill Belichick, who holds the record at 42-0 and when leading at halftime. Of course, we're talking consecutive wins. So Sean McVay... If everything goes as planned, and it probably should, I mean, we're talking about the Rams getting the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, some of these other teams like that, the Tennessee Titans coming up. In the next two weeks, the Rams should be, theoretically speaking, going into halftime with the lead against the Lions and the Texans. And again, even if they are going into halftime with the lead, they should certainly come out of those games with a win against those teams. So If everything goes as planned, Sean McVay may be able to tie the record this week against the Detroit Lions. And of course, that's got a little bit of extra significance to it because we're talking about Jared Goff on the other sidelines. And not only that, but the Detroit Lions right now are 0-6. You know Detroit wants to get their first win. You know Jared Goff is dying for that first win. And I mean, who would he love more to be than the Los Angeles Rams, his former team that sort of just kind of kicked him to the curb Nobody. I mean, he would love to beat those guys. So we'll see how that one goes. We're going to break that down all throughout the rest of the week. It's going to be a huge talking point, I think. But right now, I mean, Sean McVay, he's got to feel good about where he's at. 41-0, and he's got a good shot to tie that record. And I'm sure he doesn't care about it, or at least he says he doesn't care. But just goes to show you that when this team is leading at half, they know how to take care of business. They always keep their foot on that pedal, which is good. I mean, they never really have those huge disappointing games where they come out of half and they just put up a stinker. I mean, it just doesn't really happen that often, especially when they're leading. So it's good to know that this team can take care of business through the course of five seasons now. I mean, it's not really been a huge issue for McVay throughout his entire tenure. So good news there in terms of the rest of the coaching staff, not that much crazy stuff to really highlight here. You know, you look at Joe D. Camillus, the special teams coordinator. We got a bones fossil throwback play where Johnny Hecker threw a pass on a fake punt to Ben Skoranek. And I want to say it was like a fourth and 11 and he converted it. But for whatever reason, the referee said it was like some sort of taunting penalty or something, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, both one on the Rams and one on the Giants. They did not tell us which players. They did not show us on the camera who was responsible for these penalties. And so we have no clue if there was actually a penalty on the field or not, but it did not look like there was. And so obviously that kind of took that punt off the board for the Rams. And then they had to replay that fourth down and they ultimately did punt, but it was dope to see a John Fossil throwback. I mean, we haven't seen a fake punt in what feels like forever. 
and one that worked. I mean, it actually worked. It sucked that it didn't count. But at the end of the day, it was cool to see. And Joe DiCamillis, I think, continues to do a pretty good job on special teams. Defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, I think this one was a great performance. I mean, the first drive looked shaky. I mean, the Giants offense had a lot of success against the Rams. They drove right down the field. The defense really did not do anything to stop them. And ultimately, you know, they did kind of tighten up there in the red zone or in the closer area to the red zone. And uh, the Giants had to settle for three. But outside of that, they didn't score a point. I want to say until maybe like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So the Rams, they scored four touchdowns in the second quarter. The Giants were held to three points all the way up until garbage time, essentially. So that one, great performance from Raheem Morris and his guys. I don't think you can really complain too much. Of course, there's always areas you want to tighten up and kind of you know nitpick and say, uh, he didn't do great on this rep. He didn't do great on that play. Why is he doing this here? But at the end of the day, I mean, they did a great job against an offense that put up like 20, 25 points against the Dallas Cowboys last week. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it's that fair of a barometer the Giants, I mean, we're talking about a team here that is banged up to the nines here. They did not have Kenny Galladay in this game. They lost Kadarius Tony after the first drive or first two drives, and he looked like he was going to have a big contest in this one. They didn't have Saquon Barkley. They didn't have Darius Slayton. A lot of injuries. So the Rams were expected to take care of business in this game. They were expected to absolutely blast this team, and that's exactly what they did. You know, we're not looking at teams right now that anyone is going to be thinking about in three or four months time when it's January, February playoff time, no one's going to say the Rams beat the Lions, the Rams beat the Giants, the Rams beat the Texans, and this is why they're here. No, these are just simply the games that the Rams are favored in. The teams that are just simply not as good as the Rams, they should take care of business here. And so far, they've started it well. The Rams are improved to 5-1 and one on the season now. Of course, the Arizona Cardinals remain undefeated at 6-0, and oh, so the Rams still have a little bit of a ways to go to try and catch those guys, but we'll see how it's going to shake up because this NFC West is looking like it's going to be a crazy battle all the way to the end. For more on this game, make sure to tune back in here tomorrow at the Locked on Rams podcast. We're going to break down this performance in depth with all the PFF numbers like we always do. And throughout the rest of the week, make sure to continue to make us your first daily list. And we're going to get you guys ready for the Jared Goff homecoming contest as well. As always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QBsMEP and at LockdownRams and on YouTube at LockdownRams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.